Okay. <clears throat> okay. So the shear this week is, in essence, a continuation of what we began discussing the previous week, which I began by, uh, I began with uh, an overview of the quote-unquote activist uh, camps uh, that we, uh, we hear about in today's day and age, the two camps essentially that take the opposite side in marital disputes when the marriage is going down the tubes and uh, it's very possible to get radicalized and take the uh, woman's side, perhaps in every case, or uh, vice versa. Uh, and I uh, mentioned that as a, by way of introduction to an interesting sefer I came across that was published in the last 20 years, the sefer B'magli Tzedek, which as I described is essentially a 400-page uh, sefer that very methodically is laying out an argument, a detailed halachic argument for the men's side, for the men's rights, in a case in which the marriage seems to be uh, completely... Uh, have reached its, uh, f- the end of the functional part of the marriage, and it's just a matter of uh, fighting out the, the details of how it's going to be uh, uh, drawn down and liquidated, and uh, for all practical purposes, there's no functional marriage at the moment. And the main argument was, is that the husband should have the right to marry a second time, and it's try- the, the safer is essentially trying to normalize that from a halachic perspective, from a psak an actual psak perspective, and additionally from a social from perspective. Now, in addition to familiarizing ourselves with these particular arguments, and I already emphasized that this is not in any way uh, uh, taking a particular side, it just happens to be that this safer uh, with these arguments happens to exist, and I think it's interesting to take a look at. But uh, like I said last time as well, there's a benefit to approaching the sugya, you're able to approach the sugya and get the yasaidas and the different nakudas and details, uh, in this, it is a benefit to ben- approaching it in this particular way because, sure, there's Encyclopedia Talmudus, there's you could probably open that up and get a lot of information, but what's interesting about this presentation is that this person is trying to find all the holes, find all the weaknesses, probe all the weaknesses in what is seemingly the accepted halachic status quo. And of course, as uh, from people, our instinct probably correctly is not to look to undermine uh, what appears to be the uh, accepted uh, halacha, especially in serious matters such as these. Um, but maybe specifically for that reason, it might be interesting to hear uh, the perspective of someone who's decided to sort of break out from that bubble and reconsider all the facts uh, anew. And again, like I said last time, there's no, you don't even have to take his word for it. You don't have to trust the maskanas that this person is presenting. There might be other sources, other sides of the argument, but I just think that it's a nice way to uh, get a grasp on a lot of the yasaidas here, even if you don't accept the actual arguments, lamaisa or even in theory. Uh, so last time we focused a bit on his introduction, Pirivirivya, the idea that a, a, a man could also be uh, an Ogun, uh, the Nakuda from the Rush, that Chirim Dominic came to equalize the two sides, not to give the woman more power than the man. 
And since the author was a Svardi, so we ended up talking about the Tanai and the Shavua and the Svardi Ksubis and the concept of polygamy in general. And we went off a bit onto that uh, in the light of uh, some of the details that Rabbi Bar Shalom mm-hmm. writes at length in his Sefer Mishpat Aksubah. So now, getting back to where we left off. So from page, about, from page 29 to 147, so about 120 pages, he goes on and on about the Shavuah. He's looking for holes in the, uh, the taikif of this Shavuah that the Svarida make. And in fact, if you look in the Sefer Mishpat Aksuba itself, you'll notice, if you go through the lengthy chapters, you'll see that Rabbi Shalom himself points a lot of these things out, even though seemingly he doesn't have an agenda specifically to undermine the Shavuah. In fact, he's here to strengthen every detail in the Ksuba. But uh, he, just along the way, in the course of discussion, points to all kinds of problematic aspects to the Shavuah. And it seemed like his conclusion was, and I already mentioned it briefly last time, that uh, in today's uh, slang, it's uh, mostly about the vibes. You know, the vibes of saying, oh, there's a shvua, you think you're getting married, you're not, uh, this means that you're committing to this marriage, don't uh, immediately think that, uh, uh, you know, it's your svardi, it's uh, the rest of the world is still available to you. So it's about the message that it sends rather than an actual legal mechanism. And so, for, uh, so according to Rabbi Shalom, Lavdafka the Shavuah actually has any strong uh, nafkamina per se. That was even from Bar Shalom, Rabbi Bar Shalom's perspective. So this is what this individual as well is arguing at far, perhaps greater length and far more emphatically that the Shavuah indeed isn't binding, uh, certainly not in uh, situations like these. And uh, the truth is that we could go through the noisim and the, the sub-discussions, uh, we can turn this into a, a multi-part share and shtelzich on every prat, because there are a lot of interesting, fascinating details along the way, gdarm and shvua, etc. Uh, we can examine the sources and see what other sources say, but uh, I don't like to, uh, never really like to take one topic and drag it out over too many chalakim. Uh, so we're going to try to Bimetzamtzim uh, here, and in this shear, we're going to try to go through the rest of what this uh, sefer covers. So, just to summarize his arguments on Shavuah very briefly, so you just have an idea of the topics there in case they're of interest to you. His argument essentially is, his arguments essentially are, that uh, even if you committed yourself with the Shavuah, and even if you included that I'm the Shavuah is binding even in a case of Oynes. There's still a halachic yisoy to argue and say, make a distinction between an expected Oynes and an unexpected Oynes. And the situation in which the marriage is on the rocks because the, the woman walked out, that would not be included in the Shavuah. So that's one argument he makes. Then he starts getting very technical. He says, what is the, what made the Shavuah a Shavuah? You're calling it a Shavuah. It says in the Ksuba, Aninishba, whatever the Lashon was, does writing something on a paper make it a shvua? Where, where did he uh, accept the shvua? Where did he make the shvua? So Mekan Zagan that the shvua is, it's kiyas kaf. There's a handshake. Who, who shakes whose hand? The chassan shakes the person who's reading the ksuba's hand. So the chassan's not getting up and saying, I swear. They read the ksuba and he does the handshake afterwards. So first of all, he says, if it's, if a shavuah through its kiyaskaf, where you announce the shavuah and say, okay, now we're going to shake our hands to that, whether that's even considered a shavuah. And the chalal 
uh, you announce that the chassan swearing and he's taking an oath, but everyone sees that he's not swearing, and he has half the time he has no idea what's going on. And even if he did the handshake, it was just ceremonial, and it goes at great length in this direction. Another point he makes is you're going to say, "Oh, the shvu is b'ksav." Can you write a shvu? Can you can you be nishma b'ksav if you uh, write an oath on paper and then sign it? Write it and sign it, or just sign it. In this case, in this case, the only the chassan only signs it. So there's a lot to say about that. Also, the idea that the shavu was written in Avar, he swore. When did he swear? When's he swearing? He has arguments about that. So that anyway, the tzkiyaskaf, even if the tzkiyaskaf were to work, it would only work if the chassan and kala shook hands directly. You can't have a third party. That in particular I found interesting. That would be, uh, in theory, we can go off and talk about that at uh, some greater length. Discusses uh, the idea of uh, the Kenyan. They make a Kenyan as well. Is the Kenyan helping their case? Not. Bechlal is uh, one of the Paiskim not too long ago, one of the Sephardi Paiskim argued that Bechlal, the, the Shavua and the Ksuba is referring to all the parts of the Ksuba. The main part of the Ksuba everyone knows is the financial obligations. So that Paisik said that uh, you're, you're already chayv in Shere Ksus Vayna You can't be nishba on something that's already Medeiraisa. So for that reason alone, the whole Shavua is Nishkin Shavua, so that means the Shavua wouldn't be good for the other Pratim either, he argues. And then the author goes off into the discussion of the possibility of how you know, being matter the shvu, what would that entail? And has a lot to say on that, but that's just to give you a very, very, very uh, quick sense of what that discussion looks like. And then from, 100, from page 148 and on, for about 200 pages, this is where he discusses, where he tackles Chaim de Benu Gershim according to his Mahalach. So this I'm going to go through a bit more... Uh, a bit more slowly, we're just going to try to summarize his argument over 200 pages. So first he starts off by introducing what's the chayim and where's the chayim from, right? So uh, we mentioned last time that there's this idea of the Saif Elif HaChamishi, which is around the year, uh, it's, what was it, uh, 12 something? Um... So Rabbeinu Gershom didn't live that much long, uh, longer before that, about 200 years before the end of Alpha Hamishi. That's when Rabbeinu Gershom's takanas would have been made. Uh, the first record we have of any of these takanas are 100 years later. Uh, the information that we have, he points out, is pretty spotty. Um, not a lot of details as to what the reason is and, and how, the, what the, how the cherem works, what the mechanism for the cherem is. A lot of details were very, very scarce on the... Uh, and, and many details from the source. And Bechlal, uh, they write this two pratim in the Chayim When we say Chayim Gershom, I think we tend to usually mean Be'ikr, not marrying a second wife, but essentially there are two parts, two Iker parts, not being Megayish Balkarcha, and not marrying uh, a second one, which have a similar effect. They're there to strengthen the woman's right in the marriage. So what if someone goes ahead and is Megayish Balkarcha? That's uh, perhaps a stronger question. Is the get kosher or is the get not kosher? How strong is the chayim? Let's test the chayim. We're Megarish. He quotes a whole long list of paiskim from the Ramoth, the Debihudr, the Kivegar, down to the Marsham, that uh, the get would be good. The Rebbein doesn't have the power to, to be Eker Gitten. However you want to explain it, either the, that wasn't part of the chayim or the chayim can't be that strong, whatever it is, most Paiskim that he quotes, he argues, he claims, 
say the get would be betaykif. Says there's a miot achsam seifer. Shalomeshiv say no, actually the get is possible. Okay. Ah. Okay. Say it. Next. So what taka is the reason? So that's interesting. Uh, an interesting discussions. We'll go into that a bit more in detail here. But what's the reason? So Rene Gershon didn't really, uh, from whatever little we have, there is no stated reason. Um, so the Rashba the says, Shle asa ligdar b'fnei ha-pritzim v'ha-hoylim ha-mo'ylim b'neshesayim shaloi karoi. This is a, the Marik quoting the Rajma. So the idea was there are men that are acting inappropriately and we want to put them in check. We want to stop them. That's how Marik quotes the Rajma articulating the idea uh, behind it. You have others that, uh, that state it a bit differently. Khshash Khtoto. There's a ran, the Chur of the ran says, We want to try to minimize uh, disputes because uh, if a husband had this right, that would, uh, that would exacerbate uh, disputes. It could, it could uh, even uh, motivate disputes. The husband knows what power he has. So that's another, uh, other, the Mardchai also, Shemkhtata. So there's that school of thought. Then, now, some of you may have heard or come across, there's a different idea out there. That uh, once a man has two wives, once he has two families, a brother might come to marry their sister, right? Because uh, siblings, obviously, who grew up in the same home uh, should know of each other. But when a man has two families and two homes... So, who's to, who's to say that a, a brother might not come to marry their sister? So, I was talking to someone this week, they mentioned that, oh, isn't that the part? So, where does that idea come from? That idea comes from the Mishkinus Yaakov. Mishkinus Yaakov is a name that you might be familiar with by now from Erevin. Not too long ago, about 200 years ago, Lutfi Shirov. Mishkinus Yaakov says that, uh, we're going to talk about later about the cloud. There is talk in Simon Bays. It says you're not allowed to marry uh, more than one woman uh, in, in different places. So it's a and you, this way you're going to uh, write this to Gemara. The Gemara says this idea that you shouldn't marry someone here and then marry someone there because of this chashash. The concept exists in the Gemara, but that's about specifically just marrying another woman in another place. It's not about marrying two women. So he says, Rabbi Gashem is taking that Gemara and expanding it a bit and saying that therefore a man should just never marry two women simultaneously. We, we presume one would be in one place, one would be in the other, but, but the chal, we're just going to say, don't marry two women. Says, this is a big chiddush. This is just the Mishkan. It's Yaakov. Mishkan Yaakov is strengthening the chayim in, in, in essence by saying that it's a, a siyog l'tayra. When it's stomach zayin and the v'otayin, it's different than when it's a siyog l'tayra. So, quote other achreinim that say, yeah, just because Mishkan Yaakov uh, has this idea doesn't mean that that's taka the gather the halachic gather. 
continues quoting other Achreinim and throw other related ideas uh, out of uh, Parnassim. Ram Padwa says, eh, men, Pasha can't afford to support multiple families. It's not financially viable, so that's the reason. Maram Shik says, uh, okay, whatever he's trying to say over there. Then he gets to an interesting, an interesting explanation, which if you didn't see it in Svarim, you would think maybe it's come from uh, you know, outside Svarim, not, from, not within the Svarim, but from outside the world of Svarim. But he says, Abiyakov Emden, who's a bit of an original uh, thinker, Abiyakov Emden writes in Shailas Yaivetz, that the reason for Chaim Dabinagershim Pashat is that Yidin lived in Christian countries. Benagershim is essentially when Yadis Ashkenaz begins, a thousand years ago, that's when the history of Ashkenaz begins. There may have been some Jews here and there before, but there's an organized community with Gedalim, with Paiskim. That's when, so that's when you have this organized Jewish community living under European Christians, and European Christians, of course, at long, I didn't look up the history as to where those attitudes came from, but we know that certainly for the last thousand years, European Christians have not tolerated marrying more than uh, one woman. That's not a thing. So Yaakov says that's the real reason for Takana Sabina Gershim. Sakonal Yehudim that are living among the Goyim. The Goyim, the Christians, they interpret it as like Aishas Ish. So that, that so I mean, if the Yidden continued uh, following Yiddishkeit, it would cause uh, strife, it would cause problems. So Rebbeinu Gershem, Shalom Adin made this gzeda. And therefore, wherever Jews do not live among European Christians, there's no Siba Melechatchila for any such gzeda. There's no Yisrael at all. It's Pashat, we're always us, we're always under duress by society around us. He says, even though they write other reasons, but this is the real reason. So he's like Yaakov Emden. Yaakov Emden doesn't deal the way he's an uh, Ashkenazi saying that. Uh, the Ginas Vradim, uh, I believe that's uh, someone from Mitzrayim, says that, yeah, Rabbi Nagashim, it's only for those in Ari Edoim. Yad Umas Tekifa. It's due to our connection, our relations with Gentiles. They're the ones who say this uh, explicitly outright in this context. He says, we can find, though, other Makaitis for this idea in Chuvas from early on from the Rivash, the Ran, and the Radbaz, who mention in passing what the reality is. Lavdafka, they're applying it as a reason, but they mention this reality in passing with regards to what life is like in Europe. The Rivash writes, in Catalonia, you're, uh, you're in deep trouble, maybe even the death penalty. You have to get special permission, uh, royal permission, to marry another woman. So, they're acknowledging this reality. There's a truth from the Ran. The Ran says, You get in deep trouble. That's for Gerish and Balkarcha. That's also, those are the two big ones. And those are the two things that uh, Christians absolutely would not tolerate. And again, the Ram the repeats it later. And the Zerat Baz as well, quoted in Shut Mari Beirav, also says that uh, 
He says, well, he, he says it is either you're Makabal Takanasa Benu Gershim, or you Bichlal live in a Christian country where you'll be punished anyway. And he presents that there are two things, but you see this idea that if you live in, the, in these countries, you obviously uh, would not be able to get away with it uh, legally. And he says there's also a remiss to this in the Rashi, but Rashi says that Takana was like, so He wants to interpret that as also alluding to this. So he says, Abazai, not just the Chen de Gershim, in his, uh, at least in his argument, it's not just the original Kavan of Chen de Gershim. This entire time, all these, up until a hundred years ago, where Jews are living uh, in fear, without equal rights, or whatever, under anti-Semitic uh, European governments. So that Svara uh, never changed. That Svara is, is, is ongoing. But all the Svaradim that didn't have that reality, or even today, where perhaps whether or not it's legal to practice polygamy legally on the books, but uh, the governments are certainly not taking a particular interest in whether Jews are practicing or you know, what people's uh, marital situation is, especially if it's just religious and not legal. So essentially, what he's trying to argue and imply here is that Bazai, all you said, felt that up a and you know, Chaim isn't necessarily uh, so relevant in, in this particular context. And he goes through other more recent Achreinim. When Achreinim Taka did give a Hetermeir Abonim, how are you going to give a Hetermeir Abonim if legally you're still married? So Taka and a number of Chuvas where they mention Hetermeir Abonim, they ask, oh, by the way, you also have to get legal Roshos. goes through a number of Mekairis that uh, allude to this. So, meaning they, they knew that even if even if the minute they had to marry Rabbanim, it's all good, but they wouldn't agree to have to marry Rabbanim unless they knew that everything legally was lined up properly. He says, more recently, right, so like I said, now, now but Pashtas, there's no... Uh, Pachat and the Goyim, Alamai, now it's, it's society, it's, uh, what, what are people going to say? He says to Rav Unterman, who's the chief rabbi in Eretz Yisrael, when he's talking about women who are Masariv to come to Bastin, he writes, by the way, if you give the husband Hetun Yisuin because she's a Veres Aldas, he says, it gets the women angry. So, like Ravuntaman seems to be aware of that we have to avoid societal backlash. And in Aisafa, he says, Ravuntaman adds, Hatayim Elu Mo'iridim Hamas Hanoshim Ha'iskim Beshivu Yischuyis, the people that are for equal rights. Betoyinus Kischusa Shaleisha Mekupachas, the all we're hurting women. So, it sounds like Ravuntaman in this day and age has other types of concerns, maybe concerns that maybe as halachas, we shouldn't take as seriously in his view. So the Sri Deyesh also says that the Rebbein Gershom saved us milag ha'umas she'amru she'bedina Yisrael ha'isha nechshavas mishiv kashiv ha'knanas. The Christians say, oh, women, Jewish women have fewer marital rights. So Rebbein Gershom came and saved us from that time. So, 
argument this person's trying to make here is that this perspective, this background, should give us a different attitude, perhaps, towards how we feel about Chaim de That's his argument. Moving on, it gets into the geography of Chaim de Touched on that a bit last time. Where Benigarsham lived, and it spread in other parts of Europe, other Christian parts of Europe, and then there's all the rest of the world, and the places where they had a Shavuah, places where they didn't have a Shavuah, they talk and married Beis Nashim. We spoke about this. We don't have to do that again. But uh, that's also a technical matter that uh, is meaningful to this author. He wants to make the point that. Chaim de Gershom doesn't apply in, in new locations, like in his view, where you can just come and say, uh, you know, there's no Chaim de Gershom here, or, or something like that. Okay. Now, Mepoyal, as we said, many uh, Svardim, many of the countries we're familiar with, essentially had the Shavua. So, in some sense, it seems like that effectively Ashkenazim and Svardim have the same situation, the same matzav. We have the Chaim de They think Chaim de technically isn't strong, isn't strong enough, so they have the Shavuah. So he says, no, 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 no. Ashkenaz and Sfad have a lot of differences. Pashat Halach al He says, for example, and he goes through seven, uh, seven Dukmaris, I don't know if we'll do all seven. He says, for example, Minig Ashkenaz, if a woman, Chas Vashalem, becomes blind, loses her eyesight in both eyes. So, if you follow Chem Dibrin Gershom, we find it upon him that say, no, you can't be Megarish Bal Karcha, and no, you can't marry another one. Not even had to marry Rabbanim. Why would you give you had to marry Rabbanim? Because she lost her eyesight. Fakarit Zabgech Zarius. And even if the man would be Mechayev, even if Kaifen, the man, like we spoke about the Rosh, the Rosh saying that it should be equal. If you're Kaifen the man, it should be Kaifen the woman. No. Even if, we, we were, even if it was, it's a circumstance in which we'd be kai for the man, we wouldn't be kai for the woman. Mashayin Kaminak Svarad was, quotes a number of Makayas that say that uh, no, it's time for the husband to move on, marry another woman, whatever it is. What if she's a Nikhbis? What if she has, uh, back then the term was Nikhbis, um, what's the condition called today? I'm, I'm forgetting the term. Ah? Huh? Epilepsy, thank you. Um, so today we have a better understanding of it and perhaps keep it under control. Back then it was a more of a, just a mysterious affliction that uh, attacked at random times. People could uh, suddenly have it and then suddenly not have it. So Vaiter, Semenik Svart was to be more lenient, more helpful to the man and if the woman became a nichpis. And again, in Ashkenaz, they were more, uh, they were more strict. Perhaps uh, most interestingly, um, which is something we've touched on in various uh, shirim already, the idea of being married for 10 years and not having children. Right? So the original uh, idea is, is that a husband can marry another woman. That would be a reason. So of course in Minak's Farad, yeah, so he's talking about it. 10 years go by, no child. Talk, go marry another woman. We've seen over time, I saw someone give a seriously about the history of being makbid to divorce and, 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 and remarry. But the idea of, oh, now I have a shus to go uh, to be over in the Chaim de Ben Gershim. This is the Nei de Behuda. They came to Nei de Behuda with a case of 10 years. 
And he said, no, 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 we're not actually going to be matter unless the husband wants to go to Eretz Yisrael and the woman doesn't want to go. And Beishloyme, we quoted last year about a number of things, the Beishloyme Drimmer, he's also Machm, he says, nowadays you're not going to find anybody that's going to give you a heter to marry another woman because 10 years passed. So the Shalom Eishev was Machmer even after 20 years, and it's clear that biologically she can't have children, etc., etc. Because he found one tshuva, Ein Yitzchak, I believe that would be perhaps a Bilchan inspector, Yitzchak Bilchan inspector, that it was 40 years, after 40 years he was matter. Okay, Shkaich. It goes on, which is more to the point of what's being discussed here. Etc., etc. So, just pointing out the differences between Ashkenaz and Sfarad on some of these, uh, some of these issues. Then it goes on into the whole question of did the cherem expire and what does that mean practically and does that mean it's, it's weaker now, etc. There's a list of Paiskim that say, right, that it expired. Fine. Okay. Now, what about the Makim Mitzvah, right? So, the way he set this whole thing up is that a man has a chiyav pruravu, and if he's not, no longer with his wife, so he has a mitzvah pruravu, what's he going to do about it? So, would the chayim de Gershom be applicable to the Makim Mitzvah? So, you have Poiskim in the last few hundred years that say that no, it's still chayim de Gershom, it's still applicable. So, Here's the big hop. We actually have Rabbeinu Gershom on the record. Rabbeinu Gershom actually got up a on this topic. So if you look in the Mordechai and Yavamas, Perek HaChelitz, he writes, Tshuvas Rabbeinu Gershom. Husband and wife were married for five years. They didn't have children. And uh, not only they didn't have children, but they also Ha'isha Dam. She didn't have a period, so it's usually not a good sign if you're hoping to have children. Uh, not that she never did, but leprakim, uh, episodically, but not uh, consistently. Uh, once in six weeks here, and this and that. Four months went by, she didn't see. She thought she, thought she was pregnant, but no, nothing. Then again, it restarted, then again, it stopped, back and forth. The husband's getting upset. He says, I'm, uh, my equipment's in, 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 you know, it's okay. What's with, what's with you? And she says, you're right. Uh, and I thought I, I thought I was pregnant. Maybe it's your mazel at fault. So Rabbeinu Gershom responded as follows. We mentioned that technically, Halacha doesn't really recognize uh, necessarily, technically doesn't recognize until 10 years pass. Otherwise, you know, I was quoting from Mert uh, Chaliyal, I believe, uh, about, you know, today with our scientific understanding of fertility and being uh, infertile, sterile, whether that would be a factor, but that halacha technically only really uh, just acknowledges uh, 10 years. What if the person, what if the man uh, doesn't have Gvur Sanashim? That's a related discussion that we were talking about at the time. So, many guys will wait 10 years. For that long, you have to wait. And what if 10 years pass, he doesn't want a divorce? We have to force him. 
So that's the tshuva. The tshuva doesn't actually say, what if she refuses? Do we force her? But the fee, the way the rush said it, and the fee, the svarip shuta, if we force him, we force her. If we're willing to be uh, deal with the chashash of gemu usa and force him, so kol shikain that whatever chashash there is in forcing her is not as strong. So she's miskadashes bal karcha, and there's nothing here about chayim being matter the chayim. It's not just his own chiddush to read the Rabbeinu Gershom's shuv in the Mardchai this way. Tzitzliyazer, the Tzitzliyazer, Chesas Chelik Zansim Memchas. So he discovered this Rabbeinu Gershom. All the Achreinim missed this Rabbeinu Gershom. He says, now they printed a shut Rabbeinu Gershom or Agayla. Apparently the tshuva existed independently in Kisvayad as well. And now we have it, uh, besides the Mardchai as a secondary source, we also have Sefer Shut Rabbeinu Gershom Aaron Agayla. You can read it there as well. And I guess there's some Shinoim. So it says, everyone missed this tshuva. Just no one ever excited it, acknowledged it, re- responded to it. It says, hey, bazoi. So we see that nobody knew about it. Otherwise, they would have mentioned it. And there's a call that if there's a very Choshva tshuva on the record, but it wasn't uh, widespread, it wasn't uh, familiar, and then uh, later, uh, people that come later find themselves in disagreement because they were unfamiliar with it, then you can say that, oh, if they only would have known about this tshuva, they would have changed their mind. Now, today we know uses the svara sometimes, whether we are supposed to always use the svara in every single situation is another story. But the Tzitzliyazer cites the shuva and invokes this rule to say that, oh, maybe this changes the whole, uh, the whole calculus. That's about, according to Tzitzliyazer, according to Benegashim, we have a Befeshe Benegashim about Balkarcha. That if it's a makim mitzvah, periyavirivya, ten years, which the Gemara says is a shear, and then your chiyavirivya kicks back in, and you know to remain in this marriage, so benegarishim zokt kaifenoisai, so bepashtus kaifenoisai. What about the other chayim not to marry another woman? Oh, we actually have something from benegarishim on the record as well. Also, bissel for varfen, but in the shot zichrin Yehuda, ben Yehuda ben Arash, he also he quotes he says he has a tshuva from benegarishim. Here it says that we don't force. But according to Ben he should marry. I don't know if this is meant. It's a paraphrase of Ben because obviously Ben wouldn't refer to himself in third person, but. This is what he says it says there, and that uh, who discovered this one? The Marsham. Marsham, Shalom Shvadron of Brezan, writes in Shut Marsham, Chelek Dalad, Simon Yutas, that, oh, here's a tshuva that everyone also, everyone missed. What does Marsham do with the face of Nish? But if we take it to Tzitzeliezer, we can say, oh, again, if, if people only knew what the Rebbein actually says, it's the Chatz from Rebbein Gershom. But that's that particular argument. Even if we didn't have these chuvas, he claims most paiskem, Mishayim and Achreinim say that Rebbe Negeshem was in Geizer and Wakim Mitzvah. And you can't accept the possibility that it is Chab and Wakim Mitzvah. And who's one of the people that says this? One of the people that says this is the Tzemach Tzedek. I believe Rabbi Shuchat already mentioned it, covered it. But uh, we have the Tzemach Tzedek in Shut Ebenezer Simen Vav. 
that the mock and mitzvah, lehaisa takanas rabbeinu gershon klal lachen in sarach klal meir abanim. I it says you need to have to marry the bottom and there's a good reason that's when the takana was chal. But if But this person is trying to argue is that you go if you go with this shit in the case of ten years, so in the case where the woman walks out, you have to wait ten years. She's not she's clearly not here. So now so all those who hold that the Khenbinagash doesn't apply after ten years, Mumela would also uh, work the same way here. Weiter, uh, more along this, so along these lines of Makaitis on this Nukud. That's B'mak Mitzvah, focusing on the positive side. It needs to be kind of Then there's also the other side of the coin. Being in a situation without a wife is Mokim Aveda, Hirhuri Aveda, and worse. Quotes different Achreinim that say it can't be that Rabbi Gershom's Chedim is in a matzav where it's going to lead the, the man to be Nikshal. And Bechlal, he quotes the Enyitzchak again, I believe that's the Bitzel Khan Inspector, says that the Gedeli Adar don't have the power to be Oik or anything in the title. I feel Besheva Tyson. So if there's an issue of Aveda here, then no Chedim can stop the man from finding a solution to save him from the Aveda. Etc., etc. In this case, his argument is that this is also a Makim Aveda. She's not, she's not here. Whatever the reason is, she's not here anymore. So that's uh, a, a central plank of his, uh, of his presentation, of his argument. You know, Paiskim, we find, right, just like we saw before, there, there are cases in which the Cherem, not even being Mavato the Cherem, the Cherem was never Chal. Like we just saw, it's outside the quotes, the idea that case of 10 years, the whole Cherem was never Chal. If the whole Cherem was never Chal, you don't need to have to marry Rabbanim. His understanding of all the discussions in the Paiskim, Mishayim, Machayim is that if, you know, Mela, they're together, it's but if they're not together, then there's no Chayim de Benigash. Yeah? His argument. Then he goes into the whole thing about Bechlal. Um, if, if a man is stranded without a woman, then it was the Dayan, the Pasha has a Chiv to, like, take the man's side. You know, you have to read, you know, what these arguments uh, signify and suggest, but... Uh, that's the case he's trying to make. That uh, you know, you have to push it to the Dayans Now his whole focus, his whole mind, is, has to concentrate now. Oh, you have to save that. That's the the main issue right now in this situation. Okay. Next thing is interesting. An interesting question. does apply. a person in this, in this matzav should not go ahead. Should not marry another woman. he goes ahead and does it anyway. He did the wrong thing. He was over on the chayim. Is the cherem still relevant now? In other words, is it an iser to get married, or every moment that he's married to more than one woman, he's being over on the cherem? So he wants to argue, of course, that it's just at the beginning, but there's no problem behemshech. So it's quoted from different chuvas earlier. Cherem the fiyarach. Later, 
Later, Achreinim concedes. Later, Ashkenazi Paiskim interpreted it, understood it to mean that no, you're not to remain married to two. Obviously, he's more, uh, you know, siding more with uh, the former, not with the latter. And again, he wants to point out that surely the legal uh, situation, the laws in Europe, surely had a factor here, etc. Here's an interesting question. Let's say you're going to be over one of the chara. Let's say the, the conditions demand that one uh, do something about these charam. Which one is taka kedai? to be over or to be matir. Gerishim ba'al karcha or marrying another woman. So as we know, in all the situations, we always talk about a heter meir abanim. So clearly, we're taking the side. We're saying that it's better to marry another woman rather than be megarish ba'al karcha. But that itself is actually a very interesting question. I mentioned last week, I came across an article that uh, one article I found that quotes this Mamagalit Sadek as a, as a mucker. And that article is all about that. It's a very interesting discussion about the history in Eretz Yisrael. How did the, the rabbinical judicial system in Eretz Yisrael, because that's essentially how it's built. Right here in America, we uh, tend to think of Rabbanim mostly as uh, ceremonial, and you know, hopefully everyone's uh, life goes according to plan. You don't end up having to deal with Batei Din of Ebenezer. But in Eretz Yisrael, it's a lot more obvious that there's like a rabbinic judicial system that works in parallel to the courts and they have very strong uh, legal powers um, they also uh, conduct themselves and operate like a, like a court system so there's uh, case files and it's all I guess whatever the laws are but they're somewhat uh, public uh, knowledge you can have access you can access those, those case files so this individual wrote a whole uh, to explore how did the but the system of Bati Din and how did they come to the conclusion that it's always Hatter uh, Nisuin and never Gerishin Balkarcha. We're not going to get into that now. You know, potentially that could be another topic if there's an interest. Um, so th- this person writing about that quotes the Magli Tzedek here Magli Tzedek says he looked into it and by his count it's basically uh, equal there's half the Paiskim he saw that acknowledged to address this question say it's better to do Gershon Bakarcha half about half of them say it's better to marry another woman and Mamela uh, according to his uh, conclusion it's 50-50 either one whatever whatever is easier whatever is uh, more convenient uh that, that, that should be the one to go with. Obviously, that's not how the Rabbanim and Yisrael uh, went with it. So he's, his argument is, 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 of course, against what uh, the status quo, Allah's status quo is in Eretz Yisrael as well. Back to the previous question. What if a person went ahead and did the wrong thing? They got married, they shouldn't have done it. Is there a vart of being kaifa, the man now to be megarish, his second wife or not? So the Neidah Behuda says, you can't just be kaifei. Achindah ben is uh, very important, but to stop force a person to divorce, get mo'osa, where, how, how are you overcoming those problems? We, we, we don't like getting into situations of get mo'osa. And uh, she could be achshash, she's and mamzerim, that creates its own disasters. So he's making this argument, based on his makayas, that... You know, you wouldn't be able to do anything about it if a person went ahead and found someone who was willing to go ahead with him. 
And then finally, the question of marrying in two places, which is Taka Evan Ezra Simon Beis, that we referred to before, right? So the Gemara says that you shouldn't marry a woman in another country. And Lafi, Lukun Shokhanar, Chavan Ezra Simon Beis, if it says, now the question is, what if a person's wife uh, passed away? What if uh, they got divorced? There's a is it sad to say that uh, it applies across the board? Because what's the chashash? The chashash is having two families. And ach, from this family, my marriage and ach is from that family. Why do we care if he's still married to the first one or not? still married to the first one. The idea is, you went to Medina Acheres, they don't have information about this Medina. Fast forward 25 years, the father died, whatever happened, and ach, uh, married and So according to a literal understanding of this, it would actually never be mutter for a man to marry a second woman, even if he's an alman, v'chulu, and another. So the base mayor talking here in Seven Beis, though, says, no, 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 it's only b'naisa isha al-ishtoi, not b'naisa nizgash. I, he has children. There weren't guys there. The base mayor also says that, oh, you know, if he's a... If he's an alman, he'll probably take his small children with him uh, to his new marriage, but that's a shvach svara. So it says, Aruch HaShulchan and Simon Aleph says that Lamaisa, we never saw that anybody is makbid. An alman, a gorosh, no one ever mentioned, oh, by the way, it's like often a gemara, often a shulchan aruch, you know, to get married in another country. He says, because we're so, we're so few among the nations, and every year, the Gemara said, if, the Shulchan Aruch said, if you're Mefursim, right, everyone knows, oh, it's the, the children of the Chashva person, of so-and-so, then everyone's always going to know that, oh, they're, they're both the children of so-and-so. He says, every year it's a Mefursim. That's what the Aruch HaShulchan says. That's, not, that's also something that we can uh, discuss and question, but it's a very interesting, uh, a very interesting Nakoda. I guess, again, this person is trying to uh, make the argument that uh, we could somehow use these svaras in this situation as well. But we really have to finish over here. In conclusion, he talks about, you know, what are, what are the uh, standards, right? A husband's coming to Basin and he says, I want a hatter. What, how strong does this case have to be? So he wants to make the argument that the Edom don't have to be Edom Kshedem, it doesn't have to be in front of the Achrein, let's say that it's not even in front of the it's not a, it's not a Chesha Mishpat child, it's not a Dinah Dvar in between two, two Tzadim. Grada, I was thinking when I saw this, at the Chayda, the Tzemach Tzadak, and Simon Aleph, what we discussed, I think two weeks ago, was Amun Fakarit, because the Tzemach Tzadak wrote to the Divin Achamia, the Tzemach Tzadak said, that even though Shafait Ben Achechem Ksev, even though really I would have to speak to both sides, but since you're reaching out to me to complain, I'll explain what I think. So from the Tzemach Tzadak, it's that it is uh, like a more of a Chayshim Mishpat uh, type of thing. But we, we find this argument that, oh, it's not in other situations where Lavdafka, uh, let's say nowadays, uh, with Kaksin, you talk about mastering someone. You have to hear both sides, or do we say, no, it's a sakana, it's a sakana shayla, it's not a chayesha mishpat, two sides question, so you don't have to hear both sides. That's the type of uh, discussion you have. So some argue that uh, for this type of thing, you wouldn't need uh, to hear the other side. Meir he gets into the meir abanim, 
obviously doesn't care, doesn't think Bayerabanim is so important. V'chulu, v'chulu. Anyway, so that's, uh, that gives you a, a very general sense of a lot of the interesting Nekudas uh, here, or what this person considers to be the holes or the weaknesses in the Chaim de Gershom. And Bechlal, uh, he wants to say that, you know, who's to say that, why is Amalek Chaim de Gershom is such a hard bazaar? Maybe it's not a hard bazaar, maybe it's just a, another thing. That, uh, v'chulu, v'chulu. Um, he has actually has a chelik base. In the chelik base, he focuses on the financial aspects, and he also makes a lot of uh, perhaps radical arguments about what the husband's chiyuvim are or aren't. Um, but I'll leave that all to you if you're interested. If you're interested in any of the nakudas that came up here, I'm happy to uh, elaborate or show you uh, the more uh, the expanded version of these arguments. In conclusion, uh, we should be zeichet to learn title of the Shema. None of this should be uh, relevant and applicable to anyone. Good